Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg is going to Washington today and is going to appear before a Senate committee uh, investigating the social media company's data privacy practices. Think of all the news that you've seen in the last few weeks about how Facebook has violated its users' privacy and what should be done about that. Uh, We're going to bring you live coverage of Zuckerberg's uh, testimony. You can watch it at WDET.org or listen on the radio. That coverage begins at 2 p.m. right here on 1019 WDET. Very important news happening midday today. Also, next Thursday, April 19th, you can join me and the Detroit Today team and other WDET listeners at the Hamlin Pub in Shelby Township for smart conversations on politics, policy, news and issues that matter. Uh, We'll be there uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. We're going to talk about transportation and infrastructure, education, this year's race for governor. We will probably also talk about Macomb County and the important role that it played in last year's presidential uh, or 2016's presidential race. Uh, A lot of attention still on Macomb County and the decisions that were made at the ballot box there uh, that helped Donald Trump become President, I'm really looking forward to being able to talk with the folks in Macomb County about those decisions and why they made them, and of course, what they think about what has happened since. Um, that is, uh, again, April 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Hamlin Pub in Shelby Township. We want to spend the hour today, though, talking about. Syria. President Donald Trump was among the toughest critics of former President Barack Obama's approach to the Syrian civil war. But now he faces his own vexing challenges. Just days after announcing his intention to withdraw American troops from Syria, a chemical attack was unleashed on the people of Ghouta, a region of Syria. It's another in a string of horrifying attacks by President Bashar al-Assad on his own people. And again, the world was faced with grisly images of people killed or suffering and struggling to breathe, many of them children. And again, the world, and specifically the United States and its president, are all faced with the question of what to do. Syria presents challenges on a number of different levels that have to do not only with that country, but also its proximity to other Middle East trouble spots like Iran and its relationship with Russia, which has supported Assad in his brutality and at times confounded U.S. efforts to intervene. That's where we begin the conversation today with the question of what is next in Syria. And we'll get a few perspectives involved here. A little later, we're going to talk with a senior fellow at the Cato Institute who believes the U.S. should withdraw from Syria, not only for that country's good, but for ours. We're also going to talk with Osama Siblani, who is the publisher of the Arab American News in Dearborn, about how all of this looks from southeast Michigan. Think of all the ties that exist between people here and people in Syria and surrounding countries. But first, I want to welcome Michael O'Hanlon, who is the director of foreign policy research at the Brookings Institution, to the conversation. He believes that a U.S. withdrawal from Syria would be devastating to the region and to this country's influence. Michael, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Thank you. Good morning. Nice to be with you. Yeah. So uh, obviously you disagree with what the president was saying uh, before this attack happened uh, in in Ghouta. Uh, tell me why you think that. And also give me a sense of what relationship you think the president's position played to the unfolding of this attack. Some people are saying that it gave cover for this attack, that it encouraged the idea that uh, Assad could do things like this, maybe without consequence. Uh, I, I want your take on, on those two things up front. Great. And with apologies that as my train goes through a tunnel, he may lose me. But, <laughs> okay. but, uh, but first of all, I think that President Trump is still struggling for a strategy, just like President Obama. I don't think it's clear where President Trump is. If you look at what his own officials in his administration have said, starting with former Secretary of State Tillerson, General Votel at Central Command, Nikki Haley at the U.N., they have talked about trying to push Assad out of power. They have talked about trying to protect our allies, get refugees home, uh, make sure weapons of mass destruction are eliminated. These are also stated goals of the Trump administration. And so, in fairness to, you know, President Trump, he's dealing with an incredibly tough problem that his, that his predecessor couldn't solve either. And, and so I'm not going to try too much to play the blame game. I think that neither Obama nor Trump, by focusing on chemical weapons alone, was going to do much to stop the broader civil war where 98% of all the fatalities are from conventional weapons, not chemical weapons in any case. Mm-hmm. And even the most terrific bombings of apartment buildings and so forth are usually done with old-fashioned artillery or uh, barrel bombs out of aircraft. So the chemical part is important, but it needs to be placed in a broader perspective. You know, there's not going to be any good answer on what to do about Syria or how to solve the problem or how to achieve some victory for our friends there. But I think limiting Iran, limiting Assad, and limiting ISIS and their abilities to control more territory and brutalize more people, these are important goals on humanitarian grounds and on strategic grounds for the defense of Israel and Jordan and other American allies. So that's why I think that we've got to use what leverage we've got which is not great, but it's also not trivial in the countries north and east and parts of the south. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not very influential in the central population belt, Damascus, Homs, Hama, Aleppo. That area is primarily controlled by Assad, and I don't think it's realistic to think we're going to change that. But I think uh, creating some zones uh, in the more outlying areas where our allies can consolidate their control, begin reconstruction, begin the return of refugees, this is a useful step and much preferable to conceding all those areas to one of the three bad actors, again, Assad, Iran, or ISIS. So so what do you make of President Trump's assertion that we don't belong there? Uh, what is it that you think he is trying to achieve by taking that position? I don't see it as a position so much as a sentiment. You know, most Americans would love not to be there. We're all tired of these wars in the Middle East. But President Trump's also on record saying that he doesn't want to give Iran a green light for aggression in the region. He's very concerned about the nuclear deal and Iran's broader regional behavior, and he's obviously very concerned about ISIS. So that, those are also powerful sentiments and strategic concerns. And therefore, I don't think simply saying that I want to get out really should be interpreted as a policy. It is one of the emotional inputs that he feels. It may ultimately become our policy, but we also know that in previous cases like on Afghanistan where he had a sentiment begin with, he was not able ultimately to base his whole policy or strategy on that sentiment. And, you know, luckily he's listening to his advisors and being more realistic on some of these questions uh, when push comes to shove. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Put this in some more regional context for us. Uh, In particular, talk about 
the relationship that we have with Israel, the relationship that Israel has uh, with Syria, the concerns that the Israelis have uh, about Syria. Where does, where and how does that sort of play into the kinds of things that President Trump is talking about? Well, there are at least three broad types of concerns in the region. One is the refugee flow, and that's primarily at the expense of Turkey, Lebanon, Jordan, and to some extent Iraq. Uh-huh. Second is the way in which ISIS can, or other groups, but ISIS in particular at the moment, can use one country's territory as a staging ground for attacks on another, or, you know, in the case of ISIS, moving from Syria into Iraq several years ago. Uh, And then the third is the direct threat to Israel from Hezbollah in particular, which, as you know, is based primarily in Lebanon and can get weapons from Iran through Syria. Um, And it already does get weapons from Iran, but there are efforts made by Israel in particular to limit that flow, and it would be much harder to the extent that Iran really puts down deep roots inside of Syria. So uh, Israel is going to continue to take the kinds of actions we've seen in recent weeks with its air force. I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I don't think there's any solution to how to push Iran entirely out of uh, of Syria and, and Lebanon, but the degree to which it can magnify the threat matters, and that's one of the reasons I want to see us engaged uh, over time, not to think we can win the war or push Iran out completely, but to limit the damage and to limit the risk to Israel. And then, you know, again, to help these refugees return home, to prevent ISIS from reemerging. These are all important goals, even if none of them are going to produce an outright success for our friends uh, in this terrible civil war. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Michael O'Hanlon. He's a senior fellow in foreign policy at the Center for 21st Century Security and Intelligence at the Brookings Institution. He's also director of foreign policy research there. His latest book is The Future of Land Warfare. Uh, we're talking about Syria. We're talking about uh, the re- U.S. relationship to Syria, uh, some uh, some movement over the weekend in that relationship in regard to President Trump's uh, announcement that he would like to withdraw American presence from Syria. Uh, soon after that, uh, Bashar al-Assad, who leads Syria and has been engaged in a very bitter civil war there, uh, unleashed a chemical weapons attack on the people of Ghouta, which is a region in Syria. What should come next? What should the U.S. policy look like with regard to Syria? How does that affect relationships all around the region? And what should we want to see happen from this country. In particular, um, we would love to hear from folks who have familial or cultural ties to the Middle East. Did you immigrate here from the Middle East? Did your parents or grandparents come here from that region? Did you immigrate from Syria? Uh, What do you think about the way that the United States handles its relationship with that country? How do you think we ought to be responding to the things that Bashar al-Assad has been doing in the civil war there. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we'll work you into the conversation. Tell us what you think we ought to be doing with the conundrum uh, in Syria. Uh, Michael, I want to ask you about the the domestic side of this, uh, the politics uh, for conservative lawmakers who were very critical of what President Barack Obama did in Syria, uh, also very critical of what Hillary Clinton said she would do during the 2016 
presidential race. Now they've got their own president. Uh, what, what kind of position does this put them in the 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 sort of things that 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 Donald Trump has said and the reaction from Bashar al-Assad, does it does it sort of back them into a corner here? Uh, Michael, I think we may have lost you on your train there. Um, okay, we're going to try to reestablish uh, our call with with Michael. Um, but let's go to the phones here. And again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We especially want to hear, again, from folks who are either immigrants from the Middle East or who have familial or cultural ties uh, with folks there in the Middle East. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. Put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We're going to try to get Michael O'Hanlon of the Brookings Institution back on the line to talk with you. But let's go to the phones here. Scott in Detroit, you're up first on Detroit Today. Good morning. Uh-huh. How are you? Doing good. We should do to Syria what we've done to the 15 ongoing wars in Africa, which is nothing. It's not our responsibility. Syria is on the other side of the world, and there's this presumption as if the Middle East were located in Florida. It's not. We've been there since 1991. 1990, really, wasting trillions of our money, sacrificing our boys over there when it's done us no good. Meanwhile, at home, people in Flint are still drinking poison water. We have an opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. We have the largest per capita prison population in the world. We have our own problems at home. Syria is no more our responsibility than it's the responsibility of Argentina, Peru, Mongolia, Japan, or Paraguay. So it's not our business. ISIS is no danger to the American people. So, so Scott, I think that's a really interesting perspective, but I, I would ask you a couple questions uh, about that position. Uh, first, I'd ask you about U.S. interest uh, and, and, and how you sort of define that, I guess, uh, in terms of well, there's the no, Middle there's East. there's no such thing as U.S. interest. There's the interest of the American people. Mm-hmm. So how is it going to benefit the American people by sending more of our money and more of our boys to the Middle East? Well, That's the only question. How I think, will it benefit us? I think part of the argument is about allies we have in the region who are uh, who are destabilized or threatened by uh, the things that, that Assad is doing in Syria. There's also this incredible humanitarian crisis uh, unfolding there. And I get your point about other humanitarian crises that we don't act uh, as aggressively uh, as aggressively against or, 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 or with, in response to. But is that, is that what you would argue... Wouldn't you argue maybe we ought to be more involved in, in humanitarian crises, crises than, than less involved? With respect to the Middle East, we have discharged our duty fully. We've spent trillions of dollars there since 1990. How more obligated can we be? Maybe it's time for Argentina or Peru or Colombia or Mongolia to step up to the plate mm. and help out the Middle East. Mm. We've done that. We're in debt. Our middle class has been decimated since the financial disaster in 2008, and there's nothing wrong with caring about ourselves. We treat the Middle East as if it were located somewhere between Ohio and Florida, and it's not. It's on the other side of the globe. We've been there since 1990. It's time for some other countries to step up. Okay. Scott, I really appreciate the call. 
uh, in the comments. I can't say I uh, agree entirely with what you're saying, but I really do appreciate uh, that perspective. We do have Michael O'Hanlon, a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, back on the line. I'd love to hear your response to what Scott is saying. It's a little bit uh, reminding us a little bit of, I guess, the position that Donald Trump is taking, which is that we we may not be able to police uh, the entire globe. Right. Well, it was an eloquently expressed critique of U.S. policy, but I think, uh, you know, Donald Trump, as you say, had the same hope, and then he realized that what ISIS was doing in Syria was a threat to Europe, uh, was a threat to the intensification of the civil war in Syria that then drove huge numbers of additional refugees abroad, uh, was a threat to Americans, not in, not in large numbers as far as it went in 2014-15, but, it, you know, there was no telling exactly how far it was going to go. Certainly a threat to a uh, potential threat to Jordan, Israel, uh, Turkey. And uh, so it's not so easy to just say it's far away and therefore unrelated to us. But I think there's a valid point here, nonetheless, that I we all have to reflect upon that the previous caller made, which was that we have to think about, you know, what's realistic, what's within our means, and what's likely to be, uh, what produce payoffs that are, that are commensurate with the investment. And I think most of us have concluded that the experience of the last 15 to 20 years in the Middle East hasn't really met those criteria, and we've got to find more modest ways to exercise our influence and limit the damage. So no one's proposing, I'm certainly not proposing, a U.S.-led invasion of Syria or the deployment of tens of thousands of forces like we've done in Iraq and Afghanistan in the past. We're thinking now more about a few thousand troops and the, the right kinds of regional coalitions that do involve other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really realistic to think Argentina is going to have a lot of influence in this kind of a war, but there are a number of regional players and European states that could, uh, and that's the way we've moved in, in regard to Iraq and Syria under both Obama and Trump. So I think, you know, there's a, there's a middle ground here, which is very much informed by the previous caller's concerns, but it doesn't go quite as far towards pretending that we can somehow close our eyes and wish this problem away. Yeah. yeah. Again, uh, Scott, thanks very much for the call uh, and and the comments. Let's go to Amar in Rochester Hills. Amar, welcome Hi, to Stephen, Detroit. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm from that very city in, in Syria that, that was hit by the chemical weapon. Oh, wow. I still have a brother and sister there. Everyone has like four kids. I, I really didn't ask about them because I'm worried they might be dead or not. But that has been the situation for the past seven years in Syria. And uh, if, if, if you want to isolate one person that can kill-handedly damage Syria, whatever, it's, it's going to be Barack Obama. And Barack Obama, when he drew that red line and didn't, didn't act upon it, he emboldened Syria, emboldened Russia, that, hey, United States not going to do anything, whatever, and you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And and this has been going on for seven years, and 500 people died since Obama didn't act on his red line, and this is where we are. Uh, Mar, I, I'm curious about how you think President Trump is doing in just the first, you know, two years of of being president, taking that mantle over from Barack Obama. Do you feel? as though he's putting more appropriate pressure on Assad or on the Russians? Or do you feel like this is more of the same? 
Well, President Trump inherited a very complicated problem, and from the beginning, from the campaign, and when he first started, he was signaling all the time that he wanted to get out of Syria as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So he signaled to the factions there that the United States is not going to be involved anymore. So everybody there in Poland, Russia is getting more involved, Iran is getting more involved, Assad is getting more bold to do whatever he wants, and especially the last week when the President Trump said he's going to withdraw within six months, Assad sensed that, hey, America is as, as disabled as what it was under Obama, and he can do whatever he wants. Right. I, I, I'm also curious, Amar, what do you think, as someone who's from that region, what is the solution to this civil war? What's, what's the, the, I guess, the fix for what is going on there, as you point out, has been going on for seven yeah. years. Well, what, what 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 would what would make things better? Well, number one, like lots of people call it civil war. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. It's not a civil war. It's like a, a government takedown on rebels who came out for freedom mm-hmm. and dignity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a civil war. It's one-sided war against civilians from the government in support by Russia and Iran and, and other Shia. But if if you want like one single intervention to solve the whole problem or start, the, the solution is, is to go after Assad regime personally. Mm-hmm. Destroy the core regime and paralyze their military operations. That's if you want to, like, I don't know if, if they're planning to do any military action in the next few days or not, but uh, unless they go to the to the to the very core of the regime and disable it, this is going to keep going on and on and on. Okay. So that's the solution, in my opinion. And if if that didn't happen, it's going to keep dragging for years and years. Yeah, Amar, I really appreciate uh, the call. And your comments, and and I am really hopeful that uh, you get in contact with your family who live in that region, and that uh, that that everyone is okay. I really appreciate your call into the program, Michael Hanlon. Um, I, I'd love to have you respond to what Amar is is saying there. First, laying this at the feet of uh, President Barack Obama in terms of uh, the way in which he did not follow through on his threats to to deal with the uh, Assad regime and then this idea that uh, that the solution there is a more direct confrontation with the regime a more direct strike against the core of uh, Assad's uh, hold on on the country what do you think about those two things well i think the problem began well before the september 2013 red line dispute mm-hmm. uh, we were two years two and a half years into the war at that point and there were a lot of tragedies and a lot of mistakes by by many actors, including certainly President Obama. But I think that initially he did call for an uprising against Assad, who he increasingly saw as a ruthless dictator. And it was hard to quarrel with uh, Obama being on the side of the you know mass movement in favor of political change. But then we encouraged or thought about encouraging or gave limited support to various elements in the insurgency. But then we sort of tied our own hands with a lot of very strict rules that these people couldn't have any contact to extremist groups and they couldn't have uh, designs on necessarily overthrowing Assad in the short term because over time we wanted them to focus on ISIS. We put in a lot of rules and regulations that all had reasonable intent, but when you added it all up, 
we were essentially egging on an insurgency that we didn't do enough to help. And we would have been better off, I think, in retrospect, either not encouraging the insurgency at all or giving it enough means to win. And we did sort of just enough to keep the war going. Uh, and so I think when you put it all together, it's sort of a perfect tragedy that good intentions and individually understandable steps added up to a debacle. And, uh, you know, to some extent, I certainly do uh, blame President Obama for some of those decisions. And some of this should have been realized within a couple of years of where the conflict was headed. But Obama's strong conviction was also informed by your previous caller. Mm-hmm. He didn't want another big war in the Middle East. That was the last thing this country could afford. And I'm betting most Americans are on his side in that regard. So it's a dilemma. How do you use limited means to achieve uh, meaningful effects in this kind of a conflict? And, you know, we could go through various decisions that were made and rehash them. And, and uh, you know, I think there are a lot of better options we had that we didn't take. But but nonetheless, that's the dilemma. That's the central dilemma, that uh, Obama wanted to use very limited means to achieve meaningful ends in a conflict that metastasized and was, I think it is a civil war. It has many different actors, many fighting each other. Many of these groups, besides Assad, are ones we can't support or tolerate. It's not just a bunch of good guys trying to get rid of a dictator. It's much more complicated than that, I'm afraid. Uh, and uh, so Obama wasn't able to ultimately, you know... Um, get through that, that needle. He wasn't able to, to, to thread the needle of finding a policy that was limited in its American investment and yet effective in its outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Michael O'Hanlon, Senior Fellow for Foreign Policy at the Center for 21st Century Security and Intelligence at the Brookings Institution, also Director of the Foreign Policy Research Division at, at Brookings. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Best wishes. Up next, we're going to continue our conversation about Syria and how the United States should or shouldn't be involved. And we want to continue to hear from you, especially if you are from that region or have cultural or familial ties there. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. Also, don't forget that if you miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out entirely on the conversation. You can go to iTunes and download or subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you. Listen when you are ready. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about Syria this hour, and we've heard an argument for why drawing down troops there is a bad idea. Now we want to hear the flip side of that argument. Doug Bandau is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and a former special assistant to President Ronald Reagan. In an opinion piece in The Hill, he says... President Trump should not let a Syrian chemical strike divert him from objectives which, through unpo- though unpopular in Washington, are best for the country. Withdrawing from Syria and improving relations with Russia both would make America safer. Doug, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Happy to be on. Also, as always, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We want to hear from you this hour about what you think about what the U.S. is doing in Syria, especially if you are from that region. If you immigrated here to southeast Michigan, as so many people have from the Middle East, if you are from Syria, or if you have family there or cultural ties to the region, what do you think about what the U.S. is doing and saying about what it will do in Syria and the Middle East. Do you think we need to step things up or should we pull back, get out of the way and let it resolve on its own? Uh, You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Doug, I want to talk about this idea of withdrawal. That's what President Trump says needs to be done. But Lots of analysts have looked at what he said and said that that was one of the things that inspired what Bashar al-Assad did in Ghouta. This idea of a potential U.S. withdrawal would embolden Assad. How do you answer that uh, criticism? Well, the first point is I think it's silly to assume other countries aren't independent actors. You know, that everything is the United States. It's not. Mm -hmm. Bashar Assad is focused on staying in power. (laughs) And the notion that we should be involved everywhere, you know, strikes me as a failure, you know, in terms of American security. But even if that was true, it doesn't answer why we should stay. What's the American interest in staying? No, Syria is a humanitarian tragedy. It's not a security interest for the United States. And moreover, American policymakers it has to be said, are utterly incompetent at the, any ability to try to manage these conflicts. Afghanistan, 17 years. Iraq was a complete catastrophe. Libya is a disaster. We're supporting the Saudis in Yemen. It was supposed to be over in two weeks, three years later. So the notion the U.S. can fix this stuff, I think this social engineering around the world, we've proved it doesn't work. Hmm. Uh, So, uh, but if you you subtract the U.S. from the equation in Syria, uh, which would be a dramatic departure from what has been going on, not just in that country, but in, in the region for a very long time, what do you imagine would be the outcome that would, that would make us say, well, that's a better outcome than, than what we were doing before? What I would say the best outcome is not to have American soldiers being killed, not to have the United States at risk of a confrontation with a nuclear armed power like Russia, not to have the United States in between two nominal allies, the Kurds and the Turks, not to have the United States trying to make sense of another collapsed country. You know, the U.S. was never historically involved in Syria. It was always a Soviet ally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we have this kind of impression that America's job is to dominate everything. And I don't see why that's the case. And it makes sense, I think, a little bit of humility to recognize we don't have an answer. You know, Michael Hamlin pointed out the Obama administration had multiple objectives. And you couldn't make them work. You couldn't try to defeat Assad, defeat ISIS give money to semi-radical groups, find moderates, deal with the Russians, keep the Turks happy, use the Kurds, it's simply impossible. I mean, utterly incons- you know, kind of compatible objectives. It didn't work. 
And and then put this again in, in some regional context. If you withdraw from Syria, what does that mean for Israel, uh, the closest U.S. ally in that region? What does that mean in Iran? What does that mean in places like uh, Turkey and Jordan and Lebanon, which are, you know, absorbing uh, so many of these of these refugees. Those are countries that we have important relationships with. And sometimes uh, I, I think uh, lots of folks would say we have interest in their well-being. Do you just cast those aside as well? What I would say is that our greatest interest is in our well-being and that other countries do have to deal with their own problems. Israel is a regional superpower. They have 100 or 200 nuclear weapons. They've already struck Syria. They've attacked Iranian bases in Syria. They're quite capable of dealing with any threat. You know, the, Turkey has demonstrated its willingness to act even against American interests in attacking the Kurds. That won't change. You know, the fact that there's a collapsed state in the Middle East is not new. You know, the United States destroyed Iraq and spread instability. The United States destroyed Libya, spread instability. So the point is, the Middle East has to deal with these things. There's no reason to think that the U.S. should stay involved. The idea that 2,000 troops in Kurdish zone in Syria is going to change things dramatically, I think, is a great mistake. Iran was allied with Syria before the Civil War. Russia was allied with Syria before the Civil War. Nothing's changed there. The only change is they're dealing with the wreckage of a nation state instead of a serious ally they had once before. And the best thing that could happen for countries like Turkey and Lebanon is for the conflict to be resolved, not to keep it going and generate more refugees. So the problem is if you want to turn the Kurdish zone into a war zone, and that's kind of the argument, is that we want to make sure the Kurds can hold off the Iranians and can try to put cause problems for the Syrians. And, of course, the Kurds are already at war with the Turks. That's very likely to create more instability, not less. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Doug Bandow, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and a former special assistant to President Ronald Reagan. He's the author of Foreign Follies, America's New Global Empire. He recently wrote an opinion piece in The Hill titled, Apparent Syrian Chemical Attack Must Not Change Trump Foreign Policy. We are talking about Syria, what happened there over the weekend with a chemical attack on the people of Ghouta, which is a region in Syria, by President Bashar al-Assad uh, that followed President Donald Trump's announcement that we would withdraw from Syria, that the U.S. would pull the 2,000 troops it has there out of the region uh, as a way of sort of divorcing ourselves from uh, the consequences of what happens in the civil war that has been happening there for so long. We want to hear from you about Syria and about uh, U.S. involvement in Syria, the U.S. relationship with countries in the Middle East. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. Should we be out of Syria or should we be recommitting to helping to resolve what is going on there? We especially want to hear from you if you are someone who is from that region of the world. There are so many folks here in Southeast Michigan who do come from the Middle East or whose families came here from the Middle East? Uh, are you someone who is trying to locate loved ones uh, still in Ghouta? We heard earlier 
from Amar in Rochester Hills, who is among those trying to figure out what happened to his family in Syria. Um, are you from somewhere else in the region and concerned that what is happening in Syria makes the world a more dangerous place for your relatives? Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Um, Doug, before I let you go, I want to ask you about uh, the long-term prog- prognosis for Syria and the Middle East. Uh, this idea of, of U.S. withdrawal, um, what would the Middle East be like uh, if, we, if we stepped aside, if we stepped away? Uh, and would that not come back to haunt us in some way in the future? You talked about us not having an interest in what happens there. That that seems somewhat unrealistic given the patterns that we've seen of history, that the idea uh, that what happens there can't affect us. Well, it's not a question that can't affect us. Look, we have interests everywhere, but we have to have some humility on our ability to transform other societies. Nation building hasn't worked. Social engineering that kind of crosses cultures and traditions and history and religion has not worked. Withdrawing from Syria doesn't take us out of the Middle East. We're allied with Jordan, with Israel, with Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. all the Gulf states. Turkey's a NATO ally. The question is, can we fix a civil war, especially where, look, we have no legal authority for the military to be there. There's no congressional declaration of war. There is no principle of international law that allows the U.S. to put troops into another country and try to dismember it. And that's what we're talking about in terms of Syria. My suggestion is we recognize we have utterly failed in Iraq. Up to a million Iraqis are dead because of the U.S. invasion. We utterly failed in Libya. We have you know, so far effectively failed in Afghanistan, 17 years on. There's no effective central government that has our principles. We need to have some humility. The notion that all you have to do is put some U.S. troops in and fix it and look at Syria itself. The administration, Obama administration tried various means. All of them essentially failed. We can't fix it. So I simply suggest let's recognize reality for a change and suggest those who come up with yet another military mission be expected to demonstrate how they can make it work. And I have not seen that. Okay. Doug Bandow, Senior Fellow at the Cato Institute, former Special Assistant to President Ronald Reagan. Thanks very much for being here on sure. Detroit Today. Happy to be on. Up Bye. next, we'll get the local angle on this story from Syria from Arab American news publisher Osama Siblani. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019. Kyle in Detroit. Mark in Bloomfield Hills. We will get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Osama Siblani is the publisher of the Arab American News and is a very astute analyst of the Middle Eastern communities in Dearborn and throughout Southeast Michigan. He's been very vocal about Syria on social media since President Trump announced his intentions 
to withdraw U.S. troops and throughout the weekend and the Assad attack on the Ghouta region. He joins us now to talk more about how this issue looks from the vantage point of our region and the many people who have close cultural and familial connections in the Middle East. Osama Sablani, welcome to Detroit Today. You there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Hey. Good morning. Good to, good to hear your voice. Um, Thank you. Uh, I, I have been following you pretty closely on social media over the weekend, and mm-hmm. I'm glad to now talk to you in, in person. Mm-hmm. My sense is that you feel as though this is about many other things uh, besides Syria, besides chemical weapons, besides uh, the U.S. Uh, involvement uh, in Syria. I want to give you a chance to, to just talk about what some of those things are that you think are, are, are going on here. Well, first of all, we don't know what happened. I mean, as far as the chemical uh, attack, we don't know whether whether it ha- happened, uh, who did it, how it was done, who was involved. We have no, we don't know. I mean, all what we have is a video. And you know, in this age, you can make videos, you know. I mean, Hollywood, hello, you can make videos. And and we you can make videos that looks like real. So I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm saying that we don't know if it happened or not. And it happened two days ago. I mean, look, you know, our country has been has been going uh, for, for like a year and almost three months in an investigation to see if the, if the Russian have meddled in our election in 2016. And we haven't even reached a conclusion yet on this. And all of a sudden, in two days, 6,000 miles away from here, we have reached a conclusion that the president of the Syrian Republic attacked his people with chemical weapons. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's just, it, it just doesn't make sense. First of all, there is no motive. I mean, the, 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 government, the government of Syria is defeating the rebels. Mm-hmm. They are defeating the terrorists, and they have already accepted, the rebels have already accepted to leave Duma. Why would they strike with chemical weapons? It just does not make sense. And, and so then talk and about... There are more, they're, they're, they're more calculated and more, you know, uh, uh, tuned to that, to that region than the United States. So the United States should really stay away from this kind of conflict. First of all, we have no moral authority. You know, remember, we are the only country in the world that we used atomic bomb mm-hmm. to, to, on, on Nagasaki and in Hiroshima. We've invaded Iraq in 2003, destroyed the country, killed millions of people because we did not have a moral authority. So, so talk then about what President Trump said before this attack took place. He says he wants to pull... U.S. troops out of Syria. He wants to disengage from involvement in the civil war there. Do you think that is the right move? Well, he said that, and I think it is the right move, but he made also another statement. He said, I'll stay there if the Saudis pay for our stay there. So now we have become a hired gun, okay? Mm -hmm. Now we're staying there because the Saudis are paying us to stay there. And the Saudis have an agenda in the region. They have already declared it. They want to bring the government of Bashar al-Assad down. They are the people who are supporting Jaysh al-Islam in Douma. These are, these are the terrorists that they have been wrecking havoc in, 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 in Syria and destroying the Syrian uh, you know, country and, and killing its people. So 
what Bashar al-Assad and his government is doing is the right thing to do, is to protect their country. And they are doing it with the help of many people in the region. And for the United States to interfere in this, like yesterday, you know, all of a sudden the Israelis bomb Syria. But no one talks about it. Here's another country invading and bombing another country, and no one is saying anything. They said that we bombed Syria, and no one is saying anything. No one is punishing Israel for what they're doing. Yeah. You know, this is really, it's, it's ridiculous for me as a person that came from there. I'm very insulted. Yeah, very uh, insulted by our government. I'm, I'm curious also what you are hearing from folks who are from that region. We heard earlier from Amar, a listener in Rochester Hills, who is from Ghouta and is really worried about uh, the relatives that he has there. Are you hearing a lot of that in, uh, in the I, I think the only thing I can tell you, I'm not from Ghouta, okay? And I, I'm, I'm from Lebanon, but here is what I am very concerned and what everyone is concerned about, that this U.S. intervention and the French and the British possible intervention in Syria is not going to do us any good. All what it's going to make us is suffer more, you know, in the region. The war is going to be bigger, longer, and more destructive, and more killing. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not going to make anything better. We've never done anything in the region that made the region better. Look what we've done in Libya. Destroy the country. Look what we've done in Afghanistan. Destroy the country. Look what we've done in Iraq. Ruined it totally. I mean, this is the second wealthiest country in the region, you know, in the world, actually, as far as wealth uh, from the oil. And they don't have no electricity. They have no drinking water. We have destroyed their infrastructure. We have robbed them out. So we don't know how to build nations, like Doug said before, your, your guest before. Mm -hmm. We are not in this business. We don't know how to do it. Yeah. We have failed miserably everywhere. Again. So we should really stay out of the Middle East and focus a little bit on America. Let's stop the killing here in the streets, in the schools, in the in the parks, in the clubs, in, in the workplace. I mean, we we have problems here. Let's that, fix Detroit. Let's fix the roads. That certainly seems to be a theme today among our guests. Uh, you are the third person to to sort of uh, focus on what is going. I mean, have you driven lately here? in our in our city and in our uh, on the sure. streets of our state? Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven. That's where the focus should be. One zero one nine is the number. I want to get a couple calls in here before we have to end the show. Kyle in Detroit, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Doing well, thank you. How are you this morning? Good. Uh, so I guess I just, I, not directly relating to the last caller there, uh, but I wanted to ask, you know, if we have this idea of building uh, more of a forward alliance with a Russian um, state, how do we do so when it seems like there's such a strong connection between them and the support to the Assad regime mm -hmm. and all the acts of war, the almost genocide, it seems like a genocide that's going on over there between what we hear about just this past weekend, all the destruction and everything that's gone on in Mosul and just things like that. Yeah. How do I, we how do we focus on that? I, I think that's one of the really confounding issues here is is what role Russia plays uh, in in Syria uh, and what relationship we have 
with Russia as the United States. And, and you can't talk about that, I think, anymore without talking about the 2016 election and what role Russia played or didn't play. Uh, and as Osama Sibelani, my guest, pointed out, we don't know yet exactly what happened there. But I, I think that's a complicating factor to all of this is uh, how do we how do we manage this uh, and manage the relationship with Russia through Syria? Uh, Kyle, I think that's a great question, and it's one of the things that uh, we will have to sort of keep an eye on over the next few days and weeks to see uh, what, what we learn about that. I appreciate uh, the call and the comments, though. Mark in Bloomfield Hills, you're up next on Detroit Today. Hey, it's Mark. Um, my comment is I, I just, uh, for you and or your guests, you know, despite the opinion that you might have about what type of a global leader Trump is, I think he was very calculated in that announcing that he intended to pull out of Syria, um, knowing full well that if Assad or the Russians, with with your help of the Russians, um, did something, he'd ultimately be able to take the credit for saying he wanted to pull the troops out, but then blame Obama um, for not doing something previously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, I think that's uh, that's a great question and, and comment as well. Osama Sablani, I'll give you a chance to, to answer what Mark's saying there. Well, uh, Donald Trump does not know. It depends on the day. It depends which which side of the bed he gets off uh, from. Um, I mean, you know, like Trump wants to have a war with, with North Korea, and then later he wants to meet uh, this nice guy, uh, Kim Jong-un. One day he's a small rocket man. The other day, he's, you know, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's his friend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one day the Saudis are the biggest troublemakers in the region. Another day that he goes there and 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 he asks for billions of dollars and say, look, you know, they have money. Let them let them pay. Uh, we don't know what Donald Trump is going to do. But all what I know really that what I've heard him saying, he's saying I'm leaving, you know, uh, Syria. And all of a sudden, you know, chemical uh, agents shows up and now he wants to to stay there and he wants to fight. Yeah. Now, do you think that the 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 Assad uh, government or the Syrian government or the Russian are that stupid to to really right now as as people as the as the rebels are surrendering surrendering in Ghouta, in Douma, and they're leaving in buses, they they use chemical agents. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It just does not make sense. Now we have video, but we have to have. An investigation. We have to really look what happened really in Israel before it happened. It happened before that they use chemical weapons, right? right? We don't even know. We don't even know who who used it. Still until now. Well, I think until it's now. yeah. I think it, I think it's a pretty good, strong conclusion that uh, it's the Assad regime. That's who has the chemical weapons. That's who's been. No, 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 no. There are other people having uh, chemical weapons there. Believe me, there are more than. 20 or 25 nations involved in the region. Involved. Among them are yeah. us. Yeah. And the Saudis have it. The, the, the Turkish have it. All of them, they have it. Yeah. And they could have given it to, to the rebels. Maybe okay. it didn't happen. I don't know. I mean, we, we really don't know. I yeah. cannot you think tell we'll you whether rushing. it's true yeah. or not. Osama Siblani, publisher of the Arab American News, it's always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.